following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up tonight on this second night of a series called The Pursuit of Happiness, H-A-P-P-Y-N-E-S-S, kind of taken after a little movie I saw a long time ago, but not the same stuff. And I am not Will Smith, so... I want you to stand, you're awesome people, and we're going to talk about it here tonight. November is a great month because I really believe that if you ever can feel gratitude in your heart to be an American, to be an American, to be a Christian, to be in church, to have family, it ought to be now. I mean, Thanksgiving is not just a one-day event on the fourth Thursday of the month of November. Thanksgiving is an everyday thing, and And you have either a spirit of entitlement in your life or you have a spirit of thanksgiving. And God, don't let us be entitled people. Let us be a people that have thanks in our heart for what you have done to our lives. Amen. I'm happy to know the Jesus that I know in my life tonight. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Say, I'm going to clap for you because you're here right now. And clap for him. Amen. I'm going to clap for you. That's good. So last week we talked about blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. Jesus gave nine principles in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. He just went on these nine blesseds. And I think it's important that you understand that the middle beatitude is blessed are the merciful. Mercy will always be in the middle of everything in your life. Mercy has to be in the middle. It's the fulcrum of your life. It's what balances your life. When you have mercy, you have balance in your life. And so there's a lot of things I could preach on. I preached about mercy here one time, and every time I quoted mercy in the Bible, it was in the middle of two other things. And so I believe with all my heart you need mercy in your life. But Jesus used the word blessed. He took that from a Greek word, makarios, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S, which was a Greek island just off the, the, the coast of Greece, Macarius means happy, happy. It's, it's not just blessed, it's happy. The Lord turned the world upside down and people's thoughts upside down when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, happy are the poor in spirit, happy are the, are the merciful, happy are those that are peacemakers, happy are those that, that have a good heart in their life, and happy are those that, that when men talk about you and persecute you and revile you, they all manner of evil against you. Happy are you. Because you understand something that's very important. Makarios was an island that was fully self-contained. You didn't have to go any other island to get anything you needed on that island. You could, you, you could go to the grocery store in that island and find anything you wanted for your family. Because it was self-contained. And when you get on the island of Jesus Christ, when you walk into that world of Jesus Christ, it is a self-contained place. And you are a happy person because you have the kingdom of God all around you and in you and a part of you. Amen? Amen. So last week we talked about blessed. Tonight I'm speaking on the word resurrection. I'm talking about the pursuit of happiness in the term of resurrection. These are unique Bible studies that the Lord's dropped in my heart. And I want to talk about resurrection tonight. Everybody say the Lord is coming. coming. And the Lord got up. He rose. He is risen. risen. You may be seated. God bless. I will take my text tonight. I won't read a text, but you'll find it in Luke chapter 20, verse 27 through 38. And I will not be long tonight because 
I want you to get home and get by the fire and get you some hot chocolate <laughs> and have a good night. But thank you for coming to church tonight. It honors me so much for you to be here tonight. I want to test how awake you are tonight. How awake are you? I got a riddle for you. What question can you never say yes to? What question can you never say yes to? The answer, are you asleep? You're sharp tonight. You got it. That's a tough start on a Wednesday night, especially a groaner like that. It's a groaner. I'm reminded of a story of a game show contestant, I'll just call him Bob, who had made it to the final round and he had just one more answer to reach the million dollar prize. And the MC said, this is a two-part question on American history. He said, the second half of the question is always easier. Which part, Bob, would you like first? And Bob figured he'd play it safe. He said, I think I'll try the second part of the question first, sir. So the MC nodded approvingly while the audience was silent with anticipation. Okay, Bob, here's your question. In what year did it happen? I'm getting a little anal on you tonight. I'm sorry. That is an impossible question because he didn't hear the first part of the question. But I want to show you something tonight about a group of religious leaders, and I haven't preached about these guys in a long time because I really don't like them. I don't like these guys, the Sadducees, who asked Jesus an impossible question. But the truth of the whole matter was the Sadducees do not really want to know the answer. They just want to make Jesus look foolish and embarrass him in front of people. They're afraid of his popularity, and they want to destroy his ministry, so they confront him with this ridiculous hypothetical question about a woman whose husband dies. According to the law of Moses in Deuteronomy 25, it's, a, it's an awesome story. If a man dies and leaves his widow that is childless behind, that man's brother has an obligation to marry that widow woman and bear children through her for his dead brother's sake. She would then inherit family land and have financial security and protection. So the next brother marries her and he dies soon after, they say to Jesus. And then the same thing happens to the next brother, then the next one, until this poor widow has been married to seven brothers. And after they all die, the widow dies too. And the Sadducees ask Jesus this question, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? I believe the question I would have asked, were there any life insurance agents in that day? <laughs> and was this woman taking out life insurance policies on all these husbands? She might have been the very first black widow. She married, mated, and then killed them. Anyone who enjoys a good mystery would find this story extremely suspicious. Seven, eight husbands, and all of them dying. What's really suspicious is that the Sadducees who asked this question didn't even believe in the resurrection. And not just the Jesus resurrection, but any resurrection. The Pharisees at least held out the hope of resurrection, but the Sadducees, not at all. That's a, that's a pretty sad name to be called, a Sadducee. A little byline, when you don't believe in the resurrection, you are sad, you see. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, I'm happy. I believe in the resurrection. <laughs> see, the Sadducees were this powerful Jewish sect. They controlled the priesthood in the temple. 
And the Sanhedrin was the governing body over the Jews in the Roman Empire. The chief priest of the Sanhedrin and most of the members were Sadducees. And the Roman government supported the Sadducees and kept them in power because the Sadducees preferred Greek customs over Jewish ones and the Romans hated the Jews, anything that they did. And the Sadducees based all their religious beliefs on what they call the Torah, which was the first five books of the Old Testament of what we call the Bible. And according to them, there was no evidence in the Torah for an afterlife or angels or a resurrection from the dead. And the Sadducees believed that all of God's plans and His covenant promises were for current life only. In other words, just live the best life you can, have all the fun you can, get all the joy squeezed out in life, and then death was the end of everyone's story. There was nothing after that. They had no use for the hereafter. Read a little funny story. It's been around a long time. You remember the time-honored story about the young preacher who went to visit an elderly member in his congregation and sitting in the woman's living room, the preacher asked, Miss Eliza, have you given any thought to the hereafter? And she replied, oh, yes, Pastor, every time I walk into a room, I have to stop and think, what did I come in here after? <laughs> Some of you that's in your 30s and 40s do the same thing right now. You walk in and say, what did I come for? My keys, my phone, my mind. <laughs> the Sadducees were the last people to think about the hereafter. And Jesus knew that. So what were they doing asking this hypothetical question and story? about what would happen at the resurrection of the dead. So I want to get into it. Let me point out here that throughout the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus almost never answered questions directly. This is cool. I love this. Usually when someone comes to Jesus with a question, he answers with another question or a parable or perhaps he challenges them. I read after an author named Philip Yancey who said he once heard a theologian say, that Jesus was asked 183 questions in the New Testament and he only answered three of them directly. He was cool. Three out of 183, that's less than 2% of the questions he answered directly. So we need to pay a close attention to Jesus' answer here. Remember, this encounter took place in the temple in Jerusalem. It was the last week of Jesus' life, folks. He was about to lay down his life. He knows that he has only days left to share the good news of the kingdom. And he had made this statement, destroy this body, and in three days destroy this temple, I will raise it up. He had told them that you may put me down, but I'll, I'll come back. I'll, I'll, I'll be back around. And they said, you believe you can, you can make the temple be rebuilt in three days? He said, no, it's this body. You put it in the ground, I'll get back up. And the Sadducees hated that. But by week's end, he'll be lying dead in a tomb, and he knows that. He'll just be there for a little while because it's a rented tomb. He didn't buy the tomb. He just rented it. So when I hear those words, I imagine Jesus spoke to them with great conviction and with great urgency. What's Jesus saying to us and to the Sadducees and to us? Jesus leaves, no doubt, that there is a resurrection from the dead. Everybody say, he leaves, no doubt, that there's a resurrection from the dead. In Luke 20, verse 34, he says, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They'll be spirit beings. 
They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. Everybody say children of the resurrection. If there's anything in life that makes me happy to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that I am a child of the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. Not only do I believe in the resurrection that is to come, I believe in the resurrection that is here and now. I believe that God can resurrect anything, anything in our life that is dead in our life. And I'm going to preach tonight that there is nothing so dead in your existence that God Almighty cannot raise it up. He is our resurrector, and that makes me happy tonight. Come on, clap your hands. I hope that's how you feel about yourself, that you're a child of resurrection. So I'm going to share three little things here with you tonight, just three little Rex quotes. You're going to live forever because of the faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to live forever. Jesus didn't come to bring something temporal to us. He came to bring something eternal to us. And even though I am in a temporal body, this body will be laid down one day. There's something inside of me that's never going to be laid down. It's eternal. It's eternal. And the eternal part of me is preaching to you, even though the physical part of me is waxing a little older, the inside of me is getting younger and younger every day because I'm getting closer to the revelation of who he is in my life. I suspect that most of you know that deep in your bones that we're going to live forever. And why do we know that? Because Jesus said it and because Jesus loves us. We used to sing a, a little song when I was in kindergarten. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. See, you know it and you hadn't even been to church in ages. <laughs> little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, I love that. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. You know why? The Bible tells me so. Let me just preach a little bit. Let me just get on the preach train a little, get off the teach train. Let me preach a little bit. When hell's coming against you in your car, on your job, in school, in your house, and the devil comes in, just turn around and say, I got a song to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know. Start singing to him. There's two things hell can't stand, the name of Jesus and being told how much he loves us. All right, I'm off the preach train. I'm back on the teach train. In her book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamont tells us that once she found herself broke and drunk and bulimic and depressed and addicted to drugs. She said, I could no longer imagine how a God in heaven could love me. She got desperate and made an appointment with the pastor. That's how bad it was. She got desperate. She told him, I'm so messed up, I don't think God can love me. And the pastor replied something that I want you all to never forget. He said, God has to love you. That's his job. That ain't the thunderous a clap I thought I was going to get. God has to love you. That is his job. If anybody in this house thinks that God is hating them, against them, can't stand them, somebody's been giving you the wrong newspaper. 
You've been reading the Pravda. You've been reading all that stuff that they write, that stuff that's called, you know, just, just stuff. I don't want to quote a president, but fake news. You've been reading the fake news of hell. You've been reading it because it's nothing but propaganda. It's nothing but the devil's lies. I'm here to tell you God has to love you because that's what his job is to love us. And I'm glad to tell you that God loves all of us. Can I tell you the secret is out. You can't run from his love. You can't hide from his love. You can't escape his love. You can't walk too far away from his love. He's going to find you no matter where you are because he loves you. If you're in a hog pen tonight, he'll come where you are. If you're in the lowest valley, if you're in hell, if you take the wings of morning, he's there and he loves you. My, 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 my. Second thing I want to tell you is that resurrection works in the future and it works in the now. Mary and Martha got a glimpse of that in John 11. Martha caught Jesus on his way to Bethany. and She said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I love the very next verse, verse 22. She said, but I know, I know, that, I know this, that even now, everybody say, even now, even now, whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. She said that before Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life. She said, I know he'll resurrect in that last day. And Jesus said, Martha, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't get it. I am here right now. And if I can do it then, I can do it right now. If I can resurrect the dead, then I can resurrect the dead right now. And on this Wednesday night, I want you to know something. If your marriage is dead right now, it's not till the end of time that he's going to resurrect that. He can resurrect that right now. If you're in a problem with your family, if you're in a problem with your children, it's dead right now. I'm telling you, it's not on the resurrection then. God can do that right now. On this Wednesday night, right now, he can resurrect your home. He can resurrect your children. He can resurrect your family. He can resurrect your marriage right now. Right now. And I didn't preach that for applause. I preached that because I believe that. And finally, Jesus got enough of her and said, go get, your, go get your sister. She said, the master's here and he calls for you. He said, Mary, take me to where you've laid him. And then he said this. Somebody's got to roll that stone away. The only thing keeping some people from a resurrection in your life and in your home and in your family is that you've let a stone stop the rock of ages. Do you think that when Jesus rose that that pebble that they put against that grave was going to stop the rock of ages? He just pushed that pebble aside. But he said, I'm not going to resurrect your stuff until you get the stone out of my way. I gotta get, somebody's got to move the stone. I'm not, going to do your, I'm not going to do your butler work. Somebody's got to move the stone. I'll do your superior work, but somebody's got to move the stone. Are you willing to move a stone so Jesus can resurrect your family and your home and your life and have healing in your life. You know, it don't matter how long it's been dead. She said, by now he stinks, Lord, but the stink didn't stop the Savior. <laughs> and it won't stop him from healing whatever you need in your life. He's a resurrector, and that makes me happy. 
And knowing that I can get up now, my third point, from anything that wants to destroy me, that is my happiness. I can get up. I can get up. I lost my family in 81. A preacher across town said I would never preach again. But I got resurrected. I lost my brother in 92 to suicide. I didn't think I could ever get up and preach again. I was pastoring this church on the other side right over here. And I got back up. I lost my dad in 10. I lost my mom in 13. We lost Patty's dad 12 years ago. And it's an amazing thing. It's an, it's an amazing thing to understand that when you get knocked down and you need somebody to lift you up, he is a resurrector. He is a resurrector. And I'm preaching about resurrection is my pursuit of happiness, knowing, knowing that I am a child of resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, if we are God's kids and if God is eternally alive, then God's plan is for us to be eternally alive with him. He don't want us to be knocked down and destroyed and defeated and never get up again. Yes, we're going to get knocked down, but he has the pickup power. He has the strength. You know, Jesus is the only Messiah that got up out of the grave and came back alive having victory over death, hell, and the grave. Mohammed lived and he died and didn't get up. Krishna lived and he died and he didn't get up. And Buddha lived and he died and he didn't get up. But Jesus, the resurrection and the life, died and was buried. And on the third day, he got back up. He did. He got back up. And if he is the first fruits of resurrection, when I get knocked down, when I think I'm buried, when I think I can't make it, he picks me up again because I am a child of resurrection. And that makes me happy. That makes me happy. The children that Muhammad and Krishna and Buddha produced are not children of resurrection. But Jesus is our resurrection. And I'm a child of that. I love that. In John 17, Jesus' prayer before the crucifixion, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Now watch this. He got in third person. For you granted him, speaking of himself, him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. To all those you have given him. Amen. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. The Sadducees' question proved that they didn't know the nature of God, that he loved them. And they didn't know the mission of Jesus Christ, that he came to save them. And to resurrect us. They didn't know that. And if you don't know those two essential truths in your life. That God loves you. And that Jesus came to save you. Then you do not have a faith system. You just have empty rules. And silly arguments. And philosophical posturing. That's all you have. And more importantly. If you don't have those two truths. Then you don't have life. Everybody say God loves me. And Jesus came to save me. Jesus leaves no doubt 
that there's a resurrection from the dead. Everybody say, I'm a child, I'm a child of, resurrection. of resurrection. Isn't that a cool statement? Amen. Say that to the devil three times. Yeah. Woo! I'm a child of resurrection. I'm a child of resurrection. I'm a child of resurrection. Where'd you go? He's three miles away. He can't handle that because it stymies everything that he is. Then because he's talking to these Sadducees, Jesus in, in Luke 20, he adds a little proof texting from the Torah. The next few verses read like this, but on the account of the burning bush, he goes back to Moses. Even Moses showed that the dead rise. Watch this. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he said, and he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, to all, to, uh, for to him all are alive. Everybody say, to him, we're all alive. We're all alive. We're going to remain alive. We're going to be alive forever one day with him. I believe that. This has been God's plan from the beginning of time. The Bible tells us that death was not a part of God's original plan for creation. Let me teach you a little bit, and I'm going to let you go. God created Adam and Eve in his image. He created them to live eternally with him, to share the work of the garden and tending the Garden of Eden to enjoy the beauty of creation and the, and the perfectly ordered rhythms of life together. And Adam and Eve's sin corrupted God's original plan. See, God is a holy God and cannot tolerate the presence of sin. So the penalty for Adam and Eve's sin was death. Romans 6, 23, the rages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's not God's intent. It was the result of Adam and Eve's sin. I recently read a story about a man in Michigan named Michael Luther. Michael was a video game enthusiast. He was such an enthusiast that when he died in 2007, his sister had a tombstone marker carved to look like the exact replica of the Pac-Man arcade game. I got one of those games. If you ever want to come play Pac-Man, just call Pastor. You can play free. <laughs> I bought it in 1984 for $200, and I wouldn't sell it for $3,000 right now. Thank you very much. All right. On the front screen of the tombstone are the words inscribed in capital letters, Game Over. God did not create us so that he could declare on our tombstone, Game Over. And if death is the final act of all creation, then God's ultimate plan for creation is forever corrupted, forever left incomplete. Hear me. The all-knowing, all-powerful God will not allow his plan to be left corrupted and incomplete. The Sadducees did not know a God who could love us this much. The Sadducees did not know a God who could restore what was corrupted. The Sadducees did not know that God had a plan for restoration of his creation and for the ultimate healing of the wounds of our fallen state. The Bible said in Revelation, he's a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But in Ephesians 1 and 4, the Bible said we were chosen in him before the foundation. So God chose us, then made a plan for us. God chose us, then made a plan for us. Aren't you glad that he loves us so much that he chose us and said, I got something better for you. I'm almost done. During the Second World War, Randy, if you'll help me, when Hitler conquered France, this is great. I love this story. He immediately shut down the borders to keep the people from leaving the country. But one small border town saw its population diminish rapidly. So the Germans searched that town for an answer. It's a fascinating story. You've got to hear this. 
The town had a cemetery that straddled the border with a neighboring country, which was a free country from Nazi control. And so the locals opened up an ancient gate on, in the wall of that cemetery, and they just kept having funerals. Except the people attending those funerals were not going to a funeral, and they allegedly were mourning their loved ones, but they walked and mourned. They had three and four funerals a day, and they never came back. They went out to the tombs, but they just kept walking right out of the back gate to their freedom, to the country that was not under Hitler's control. I have discovered the gate to this death thing, and it's a name called Jesus. I've discovered the gate. Come on. He's not only a door, he's a gate. And you know, you know, history has said that the church is going to fail and the church is going to crumble and the church is going to fall and it's going to die up, dry up, and it's going to blow away. And the church will not be any longer a part of history. It will not be the end time part of history. It will all be about government and, and thinking and politics. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a name that will never die. There's a name that will live forever. Because he conquered death and hell in the grave. And because he did that, this preacher can preach with joy. Every service. Because I'm a child of that. I believe in that. That resurrection is my hope. That resurrection is my joy. That resurrection is my happiness. Yeah? Not only do I have a, a nice place, I have a nice profession. Jesus is our resurrection. Say it. He's my resurrection. And that brings happiness to my heart because he's my resurrection. Speaking of great joy, when Tony LaRue of Florida died, her adult children wrote a very funny obituary in her honor. I found this story, and I want to read it to you. It's funny. They ended up with these words. Here was her obituary. Her memorial service will be led by the Reverend Kurt Moore of Orlando, Florida. A questionable choice for any spiritual event, but one the family felt would be appropriate due to the fact that every time Tony heard Pastor Kurt preach, she prayed for Jesus to return at that very moment. She didn't like his preaching. The obituary continued like this. On the last but serious note, the woman who loved life and taught her children to laugh at the days to come is now safely in the arms of Jesus and is taking dancing lessons for the marriage supper of the Lamb. She'll be missed as a mother, friend, and grandmother. Anyone wearing black will not be admitted to the memorial. She is not dead. She is alive. I love that. I love that. And I close by having you repeat. I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to repeat something with me tonight. I want everybody to say it with gusto. This message is the message of Jesus to the Sadducees and to us. Are you ready? We are not dead. We are alive. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God made me to be eternally alive. God's nature is to love me and provide me with abundant and eternal life. Jesus paid the ultimate penalty of death on the cross. And Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. So therefore, 
I am a child of the resurrection and I'm happy and I am happy. Come on, laugh. I am happy. I love it. I am happy. <laughs> Woo, come on, clap your hands. I am happy. God. Y'all got a happy song to sing tonight? Oh, your name, your name. Come on, sing. It is victory. Oh, yeah. Your days will rise to Christ our King. Oh, your name, your name is victory. say God loves me because that's his job God so loved the world he loves me he loves me you got to get that in your head and Jesus came to save me and when you understand that and how he saved us was by his death his burial his resurrection that's the gospel we are resurrected with him. We're going to rise to meet him. He's coming back to get us. That ought to hold you over till Sunday. I love all of you. Tell somebody beside you, I'm a child of resurrection. Tell them, I'm a child of resurrection. Lift your hands in the air. Dear Father, I love these people tonight. And I thank you that they came out on a cold night to hear the gospel. I thank you for that. And Lord, let them understand how much you love them. Let them understand how much Jesus paid to win their love to him. He saved us. He kept us from falling into a burning hell. Thank you for that, Lord. So I'm going to carry my joy, my happiness all week long because I am a blessed person and I'm a child of resurrection. And I love being your kid. I love being your child. Bless these people now, Lord. I bless them in the name of the Lord. Let every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in the sound of my voice walk out of here blessed by the Word of God and by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit that's in this house right now. And let them return on Sunday to receive again from our At The Movie series as we have a breakthrough on Sunday, the movie breakthrough. Let us enjoy what you're doing for us and with us in this month of November and let us be grateful in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Now say it robustly. Amen. amen. I love you. Have a great night.